Hello, everyone. You are listening to Employment Notebook on localjobnetwork.com radio. Today, we are going to talk about employee handbooks. I'm Lynn Molitor from the Local Job Network. An employee handbook is an important communication tool between a company and its employees. I thought it would be good to delve into this topic a bit today, especially if you're tasked with writing or maintaining your company's employee handbook, or if you are an employee and you may not realize the type of information that you have access to. Joining me today from North Carolina is Carol Ravello, a senior consultant with Workplace Dynamics. Welcome, Carol. Hi, Lynn. How are you? Good, thank you. So before we dive into today's topic, could you please tell our listeners a little bit about your background? Sure. I have been working as a human resource and organizational development consultant for about 28 years. It's hard to believe it's (laughs) been that long. (laughs) And um, I'm certified as a senior professional of human resources. And what I typically do in my work is I perform human resource audits, I provide HR technical assistance for organizations, and I help organizations um, improve through uh, business process improvement and helping to facilitate organizational change initiatives. And Carol, I think it is that background exactly where you're perfect for today's topic. Uh, Thank you. (laughs) So let's start with the basics for our listeners. What is an employee handbook? So in a nutshell, an employee handbook is a document that provides information for employees. Um, It's a place where you can kind of put that important information all in one place. It identifies expectations that the employer has of employees, what the employees can expect from the organization, and basic information about compensation and benefits. Ah, okay. There's quite a bit, actually, in a handbook. Well, let's uh, step back just a little bit, and um, given all this information that isn't a handbook, why is it important for companies to have a handbook? Um, In my view, there are three primary reasons that it's good for an employer to have a handbook. One is it helps them to comply with related legal requirements in terms of notifying employees about certain information that uh, a particular Mm -hmm. law um, is requiring them to know about. The second piece that I think is just really as important is it helps employees to feel a part of the organization, that they have an understanding about what the organization is all about so that they can kind of find their place and know what they need to do to contribute to the organization. And it provides them with important information. Uh, For example, a lot of employees have uh, questions about their, you know, compensation or what benefits the company offers or what the safety requirements are. So it provides a forum, really, for providing that information. So are companies uh, required to have an employee handbook? No, actually, employers are not required to have an employee handbook, but I really strongly suggest that they do because it provides a place for important information to be really collected and available to employees that's all in one place. So it makes it really easy. You really want it to be easy for employees to find what they need. You want them to know what your expectations are. So they're really, I think it's just more of a benefit to an organization than a detriment to have an employee handbook, as long as they're done well. Yeah, I have to admit, so I've 
I've only had two employers in my in my career. And both of my employers had employee handbooks. So, you know, when you have that background, you kind of assume everyone has it, but right. everyone doesn't. Right. Are certain industries more prone to having, having an employee handbook, or is it size of business? Um, well, I think it, we can talk about scope. So if you have a little tiny company with just a, a few ha- employees, Maybe you don't call what you have a handbook, but it is important for you to think about what are the guidelines that I want employees to know. So you at least have some information that's available to employees. And then I think in terms of scope, as organizations are become larger in terms of expanding their workforce, then they tend to have um, more formal um, employee handbooks that might include more topics or might have more information under those topics. If an employer is really large or, um, and in some cases, an employer that's in a highly regulated industry, they may actually have a more formal policy and procedure manual. And those are usually very extensive. And in some cases, those employers still will have an employee handbook because it the Formal policy and procedure manual is so long and kind of complicated that it's just, you know, you pull out those pieces that really employees need to know and want to know on a more day-to-day basis. So, you know, I've seen really employee handbooks be just a few guidelines all the way up to, you know, very formal and everything in between. So um, the people who do have or the companies that do have uh, handbooks, are they web-based now? I know Way, way back when I started, I got a nice printed booklet. Right. <laughs> so, you know, more and more companies are going uh, with online, uh, either on, a, you know, on the, an intranet site. Yeah. Um, of course, that has secure access. But I'm really still seeing both because one really important thing is that all of your employees need to have access. And in a lot of businesses, all employees don't have ready access to a computer. Oh, good so point. So you have people out in the field. You have people in all different kinds of jobs. So if you are an employer providing an online or web-based um, employee handbook, but all your employees don't have access, it's as if you're not providing an employee handbook. So you, uh, an employer really needs to kind of be careful and think about that. Even if an employer provides a handbook that is web-based, they still need to have a written acknowledgement oh, form yes. so that all employees sign still that they've received, they understand they've had an opportunity to ask questions about the handbook, and that acknowledgement form should still be placed in their employee file. So even if you're web-based, when you do updates, you still do another acknowledgement. If it's a substantive oh, okay. update you would still do another acknowledgement that individuals have been informed or received, you know, the update, and then that would be signed and go in their files. So I think the acknowledgement is what still protects the employer um, so that it's clear that they've provided that information to employees if there's ever a question about it in the future. Oh, okay. So I'm familiar with the acknowledgement. Does the acknowledgement from an employee's perspective, does that mean that you've read the entire um, handbook or just that you've received it and that you're aware of it? And Well, I have seen acknowledgement forms that just say I've read or I've, that I've received it. Okay. But I actually suggest that the acknowledgement say I've received it, I've re- I understand it, and I've had an opportunity to ask questions about it. And I think you do want to, for employees to read it. It's just, I think only the first time is to read it really from beginning to end, 
because at least in theory, it's got a lot of good information. It helps the employee really kind of get settled in and really understand the organization and what those expectations are. And so at the beginning, I suggest that employees do read it from beginning to end, although I don't. I wouldn't expect them to memorize it because it's, it, um, it really serves as a resource. Yeah. So you want employees to be familiar with it. You want to make it easy for them to find information in it. For example, you have your table of contents in the beginning that really organizes your topics by subject so that they're sort of reasonably grouped together. And then you have an index at the end, which is an alphabetical listing of topics, so that if an employee is not really quite sure by subject what a topic might go to, they can go to the end and they can look it up. And you might even list it different ways. So, for example, for the topic of workplace harassment in the index, you might list it as workplace harassment, harassment, or sexual harassment, because you really Mm -hmm. do want employees to find the information that you've put there for them. Oh, okay. And I suppose if uh, you kind of read it cover to cover to to varying degrees at the beginning, at least though you're planting a seed so that, you know, in a you know, in a couple of months, if something comes up, you may recall that, oh, I think there is something about this topic in the employee handbook. I can go check it out. Right. And I think it's a reasonable expectation on the part of employers that the employees will use it as a resource. So you go through it the first time. Of course, some topics are going to be more of interest to employees. They're going to spend more time, you know, in some sections of the handbook. But really to have that familiarity with it so that you can expect that your employees are going to go there first. So if they have a question about something, first go and look in the handbook. Because one of the benefits of having a handbook is that it saves everybody's time. Oh, okay. So that you're not going to the HR department or you're not going to your supervisor to ask questions about things that you really can easily find in the handbook. And then you save the going to HR and going to your supervisor when you have a confusion about something or something's not addressed in the handbook because the handbook is not an all-inclusive document. It really just gives you the highlights. Right. And you do you will still have some questions and need to go to either HR or your supervisor to get more detail, you know, if that particular issue or situation comes up. Mm-hmm. So let's step back again. And um, when is the best time to provide the employee handbook to, to new employees? That first day is always so overwhelming. (laughs) It is overwhelming, although I still do recommend that you provide it on the first day. Yes. Um, I think, you know, if you think about an orientation um, program for new employees, which I strongly suggest having some kind of a standardized approach for the organization overall and then customize it for their department or their position. But this employee handbook really is an important part of your orientation program because it is so full of good information for employees, and I think you don't just hand it to them and say, you know, good luck, uh, you know, read through this and then whatever. <laughs> right. But I think that as whether it's the supervisor or it's the H, someone in the HR department who is providing the handbook, you I think walk through verbally what the highlights are. Oh, okay, I like you know, that. Kind of walk, yeah, walk through the handbook. Here, you know, here are the topics. Here's some really key information, and you actually might explain some of those really key, for example, HR policies or or guidelines or whatever. And then you give them some time before you have them sign the acknowledgement. How much time do you think would would you recommend before asking for that acknowledgement? Well, I do suggest you have it on your hiring checklist as an item Mm -hmm. so that you don't forget to get the acknowledgement. Okay. 
but whether it's, you know, it's a little hard to answer that definitively because I don't, you know, every organization is different in terms of what else they're doing mm-hmm. on the first day with that employee and what other information that they're they're providing. Um, so it might be the end of the day that you really make that a priority. And, you know, at the end of the day, you you kind of circle back and say, do you have any questions and, you know, sign the acknowledgement. It might be by the end of that first week, but I wouldn't let it go any longer. Okay. That sounds good. a week. Should you ever um, have like long-term or your more senior employees ever have them revisit the handbook? I know earlier you had said if you do a major policy update that you kind of ask for a re-acknowledgement of it. But right. is there anything that you suggest, you know, getting senior people to look at it again? <laughs> Well, I think if you're having some issues about a particular topic that is addressed in the handbook, oh, okay. you know, you're kind of revisiting that to, as a reminder to people that this particular policy or whatever, you know, is in place or these guidelines that they need to follow. But I do think it is helpful if you do, if even if you're not having, you know, issues that are are resulting you in you wanting folks to go back and and take a look at it. It's inevitable that you're going to have substantive updates yeah. because organizations don't, you know, stay still. They do continue to evolve. And so the expectations of employees may change. How people kind of do their work or what is happening in the workplace may change. So those substantive updates, and, and really what I mean by substantive is, is it it's important enough. It's not a, just an editing change. It's not a minor change in you know, a situation or a, a procedure that really you don't need to have everybody go back and, you know, read through it. Right. But it's something that's really significant that you want people to know that that change has occurred and you want them to be familiar with whatever the new approach or whatever is. That always gives you a good opportunity to go back and ask people to, you know, to just take a look at the oh, handbook. Yeah. I like that. I know at my at my last employer, the dress code was always kind of put out. <laughs> remi- everyone was reminded of the dress code uh, for, uh-huh. uh, prior to the summer season. So, right. you know, that was always part of the handbook that, you know, we always got a, a regular update on. Yeah. So let's just talk about some key points when developing an employee handbook. I know on your website, you listed a lot of points, but in the interest of time, we won't be able to cover them all. Although you did talk about the acknowledgement form and alphabetical listing of topics. But I was uh, interested, you know, just about the positive tone. Uh Uh, Maybe you could talk about and some of the, you know, whatever other points that you would like to make? Okay. From our perspective, you really want your document to be user-friendly. Consider what kind of relationship you want to have with employees. And hopefully it's not an adversarial relationship, but really a collaborative one where you want to Mm -hmm. help people to do their best work and to be able to fully contribute to the success of the organization. So you want to consider the tone that you're um, presenting when you're putting that together. So how formal uh, you want to be or informal in terms of language. And a really good example of that is, are you going to use third person where you're re- always referring to the, to the employer as the company or the company name and then employees, at, you know, as employees instead of first and second person, which is right. sort of we 
as the company and you as the employee. Mm -hmm. So to the extent that you can, having really thinking about language and having it be user-friendly, considerate toward employees, really trying to build relationship with them. An exception to that is really the sections where you need to use certain language because it's a compliance issue. It's a really serious topic, so you want to really stress the seriousness of it, or it has to be written a certain way to comply with the law. Those sections, like employment at will and discrimination and harassment and those kinds of sections, may need to be more formal and may need to have certain languages, which is really going to be touchy-feely kind of language for employees, but you have to do that. But otherwise, I think you really want a conversational tone and you want to think through, how can I word this in a way that's really simple so people will understand it and they'll they'll know why we're doing it and they'll really understand what we mean. And then it helps. uh, It makes it easier to read. Right. You know, I've never written an employee handbook, but I've read one, you know, read them. Mm -hmm. And that just helps that, you know, you can get the topics and absorb them quicker. Right. And you want you want it to be simple and you want it to not be unnecessarily com- complex yeah. and complicated yeah. and, and not avoid legalese mm-hmm. at all costs, unless you have to, right. again, like I mentioned, to meet legal requirements. But, um, you know, talk the way you actually talk in your handbook. Um, so that also helps with that tone. Um You do want to make sure that you don't unnecessarily restrict yourself. So an example, really good example that I often see is in the discipline section where there's this very strict, if you do this, then, you know, this is step one, this is step two, this is step three. You want to allow as an employer, you may want to have a certain approach that you want your supervisors to follow but you don't want to unnecessarily lock yourself in. You want to give yourself the flexibility, really consider all the factors that might be pertinent to a particular situation. So so you want to think about that. Are we making a promise we're not intending to make? Are we creating limitations on ourselves that we really don't want to create? Um, Are we compliant with the laws that we need to follow? And are we consistent from one section to the other? Okay. So we're not you know, we're not saying one thing in one section and then saying something that's counter to that in another section. Oh, that's a good point. So you yeah, someone has to look at this handbook from beginning to end and know that all the pieces right. fit together. Right. And when you have an online handbook, I mean just the nature of online, it's not necessarily all in one place. I mean, you could have, you know, you've got your your bookmarks and your sections. You may be actually working on sections separately, and they're posted separately. So you still need to make sure somebody is looking at the whole document. Right. Actually, we are um, running out of our time already. But oh, I did want to ask you about the topic media relations. Uh-huh. Um, I was always surprised when I found that in my employee handbook. Could you just kind of address that for everyone? Yeah, as far as media relations, basically as um, an organization, you want to make sure you identify who has the authority to speak for the organization, okay? And and one of the new kind of sections in handbooks is this whole so- social media section. Yes. <laughs> so the media relations is sort of folded into that at that point. So oh, okay. some, some organizations want people to be out there. And giving, you know, giving a lot of attention to the organization, and that's really part of the culture, and, and it's to the benefit. But other organizations don't want people represented. They want a certain, they have a certain brand. They want a certain message. They want things 
um, being presented in a certain way. So being clear with employees that they do or do not have authority really to represent the organization. Um, Media relations also talks about it may not be what you're putting out there as an employee, but it may be when you get contacted from outside the organization. So something's happening and someone from the media contacts you about it. That's another reason why you want it to be defined because you don't want everybody talking to the media. You want them to know who to refer that call to. So that, again, it's what's in the interest of the organization. Um, Because a false step in the media can take a really long time and sometimes never really gets um, fixed. Yeah, I always found that interesting. That one stuck with me when I, you know, way back when I was reading through my handbook for the first time. Because, you know, like I said, back then I was worried about the dress code. (laughs) Right, yeah. And then, you know, it was like, oh, there's a lot more more information (laughs) packed in here than I anticipated. If we're running out of time, could I just add one other thing that I think is really important? Oh, yes, Um, please. And that is that uh, organizations are located in different states. And um, and in some cases, they may be have employees across different states. Oh, yeah. And so one of the things you need to be careful about is that there are a number of em- typical employee handbook topics that really have different laws, state laws, that apply to those topics. An example might be associated with payroll. So frequency of payroll and when you have to pay an employee when they terminate from the organization is just an example. But there really are a number of topics. So just grabbing a handbook off the Internet, um, you don't know the industry, the size of the organization, also where they're located. Those are all really important things. And if you do have employees in, in more than one state, you just want to consider how you want to put that handbook together. Do you want to have an end note or an end section that addresses different state requirements to a particular topic? Do you want to do different handbooks that incorporate the different language based on those requirements? But it is really important to know that it's more than federal laws that you need to be considering. It's also the state laws. You know, Carol, that is an excellent point. I, um, The local job network, we have grown, and we have employees across more than one state. And I'm mm-hmm. friends with the um, HR person here, and um, she tells me how, you know, some of the state laws that they have to abide by, you know, our employees in different states, and I didn't, I would have never had a clue. Right. So... Can we end with any real-life examples of maybe how an employee handbook helped a company or an employee? Sure. I think as far as helping an employer, when an employer is very careful about the language that they use um, within that employee handbook can really help them. Employees have sometimes sued employers for breach of contract, for example, and they're citing the employee handbook as a contract. And that's why that acknowledgement needs to be really carefully worded. You're not worried. It is not a contract. It doesn't, you know, it's not an employee agreement. So you want to be careful about that. But that for employers going to court being careful about their language, making sure they have that employment at will language in there. They specifically state it's not a contract, the handbook's not all-inclusive, um, that the employer maintains a prerogative of making, you know, uh, managing its workforce. All of those things really have helped employers um, when they have that kind of a, um, a suit that they're facing. As far as employees, 
for employees just really knowing what their rights are, for example, an employee that feels that they're being subjected to treatment that they're uncomfortable with, it's helping them, it's interfering with their ability to do their job, they can look in that handbook and they can find out how, who they talk to and how they resolve a workplace c- concern or a complaint like that. So they know that the company has a policy against uh, workplace harassment. They can look and see what that means. They can see how to report, who to talk to, how to get that issue resolved. And it's that actually works in the best interest of the company as well as the employee because the company wants people to express concerns within the company so they have an opportunity to to fix you know, resolve those concerns. Um, So those are the examples that just come to the top of my mind. Yeah, I think those were great examples and really helps put context over everything. So if a company uh, would like to discuss their employee handbook with you further, uh, what is the best way for them to contact you? I would say the best way really is through the Workplace Dynamics website. There's a contact form there, and that website is www.workplace-dynamics.com. And if they go to that site, then they can um, find the contact form and contact us. Okay, fantastic. We've been talking with Carol Ravello, a senior consultant with Workplace Dynamics. Thank you so much, Carol. You were the perfect person for this topic. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Yeah, now I can't wait to like go back and check out our own employee handbook based on some of the things <laughs> I learned here today. Okay, good. <laughs> if you would like to suggest future topics for Employment Notebook, please drop me a note at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. I'm Lynn Molitor on localjobnetwork.com radio. Thanks for listening.